Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. The Bible doesn't really talk about dating. That's a new concept for us in the West. Um, But the Bible does talk about betrothal periods and these times of, of courting one another. But in our culture, we have become overly sexualized. We have become maybe a little confused in even the way that we have sexual relationships. Even uh, are we to have heterosexual relationships uh, or um, non-heterosexual relationships? And what what does all that mean in a society that seems to be so complex around these issues? And I think we have to go back down to, again, what the Bible says. And I have to say, I don't really enjoy talking about these things because they are a little sensitive. But yet, at the same token, if the church does not speak the truth of God's word, who will speak the truth, right? And we know that you can crack open your Bibles and find the truth, but sometimes it takes somebody like me who's willing to go out there on a limb for you and do the hard work to, to present this to you. So, thank you. So I would just ask that we just take a moment, because I feel like sometimes when we talk about things that we also know we have an enemy, and uh, we have a lot of demonic influences, anything that is not of Christ, we have um, these influences, and these are fallen angels that are demons that play on our mind, that play on our psyche, play in our culture, that war against us. And so I, whenever we talk about something that's contrary to God's Word, I would rather spend more time talking about God's Word, but we first need to lay out the framework of where we're at in society. Um, we want to make sure that the demonic doesn't feel like they want any attention on this subject, because I don't want to leave you here with greater temptation, with greater confusion, or any of that. So if we just take a moment and pray, and I feel specifically, we don't talk a lot about, um, we are a charismatic Pentecostal church, and we would say that people encourage you to have your prayer language. We don't talk about it a lot here, but at the same token, I'm mindful that many of you have your prayer language, And it's meant for you to pray to God. It's a direct connection. But I do believe that it's a spiritual thing that we can do. So if we just take a few moments and you just pray out loud, if you will, in your prayer language, that would just cover us in this sensitive topic that we make sure that we only say what is on God's heart. So let's do this together. I encourage you guys, bring this forward. Bring this word forward. Father, I just pray right now that you would cover this time, that you would just continue to uh, work inside this message, Lord Jesus, that you'd work inside me, that the words that I would speak would be directly from your heart. Father, that not anyone would leave here confused or with greater temptation, but Father, that they would leave here that with burdens lifted, with a clarity of heart and mind, Father, I pray that you would just cover this building, this sanctuary, and keep it a sanctuary holy unto you, Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay, and if that little exercise just freaks some of you out, uh, we can talk afterwards and let you know what that was all about. All right, so, but I want to jump right in here and, and get right into this message. So the, the topic is dating, 
sex and singleness. And I, am, I know we've been talking about this marriage and family or this uh, heart and home series, and people are like, well, what about us? We, I'm single, and you just talk about marriage. Well, today's your day. I'm going to be talking about singleness, too. I, I want to start, though, by, by understanding Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, and he was very real with his humanity, and I want to make sure that we stay also very real, because there's two ways we can do this. We can go all super holy and righteous and just say, well, I would never do that. I would never think about that. I don't know why I do that, and I put an English accent on some of that. <laughs> but in making a point, I will never do that, right? And, and then the other part is like, oh, man, I could never live holy. I could never live righteous enough, so therefore I'm just going to keep living my life, giving in to my fleshly desires. Those are the two extremes. And I want to say that, that both of those extremes are not good. One, you're going to get self-righteous and legalistic, and the other one is you're, you're misunderstanding the grace of God. So the balance is found in Romans chapter 7, and this is where Paul wrestles through his own humanity. And it says, Romans seven fifteen through 20, he says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Anybody relate? Let's be honest. Okay, I do. There's certain things I do that I don't want to do, but why do I do them? Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it's good. In other words, the law tells us, hey, we feel bad about it. The law has told us it's wrong. Okay, so that's why the law is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry out. For I do not do what I want, but the evil I do not want to do, I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin who dwells in me. And if you could get this from this I do, do not want, do confusion, basically it's the wrestle. He's wrestling. And he realizes he's wrestling against his flesh. And our flesh is always bent to want to do something contrary to what is right. Now, but if you say this, well, Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, is wrestling. Well, and if he can't achieve some sort of level, then what in the world are we even thinking of even journeying towards trying to pursue something of God? Well, I think we do need to run down to 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians, if you were taking notes, write this down. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. It says this. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is perfected in weakness. This is Paul writing in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest on me. See, this is the appropriate understanding of the grace of God. The grace of God is the divine ability to overcome the sin. You're not going to be legalistic. Like I'm all holier than thou. You're not that because you're human. And if you want to get all religious on us, I'm going to smack you around a little bit and then love you and hug you. 
Because religious people pretend that they've got it all together and the reality is they don't. And they never can receive the grace of God at that point. Likewise, if you're going out living carelessly and, and acting stupid and not even caring about what God's word is, I'll do the same thing. I'll slap you around a little bit and then give you a hug. I said, no, don't do that. Instead, we need to say, you know what? I'm very real with my humanity. I understand my shortcomings, but I press forward to Christ Jesus. I press in to know his word and to live it wholly. But I need his grace that's sufficient. That's why Paul says, all the more reason I will boast of my weakness because I know my flesh, it's weak. But when I'm weak, the spirit of God who dwells in me becomes strong and it's his spirit that overcomes, not our flesh. Anybody happy with that good news? But today there is so much pain, confusion, craziness around this whole idea of sex. You got gender dysphoria. You have pornography that is so prevalent. It's not only just a male thing, it's also a female thing. You have just different things that just become contrary to the way that God has designed sexual relations and has become very perverted. I was going to give you some statistics, and I really have been struggling all week about giving those statistics, and I feel like this morning the Lord says, don't give them statistics, because there, there's a little bit of inquisitiveness. Really, that many people are involved with that kind of stuff. And I really want to protect your mind and your spirit this morning, because we shouldn't be enthralled by that. We should be enthralled with Jesus Christ. So let me start with dating. So we know that the Bible doesn't really say a lot about dating, but I would say there's some, some general concepts there that I want to bring to your attention. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, so all of you single ladies and men, this is for you. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? And I would encourage you, take that verse, and even though it's talking about all relationships in the sense of uh, these business dealings, I would even say, but it's also these marriage potential relationships, even dating relationships, if they do not know Jesus Christ, we talked about this before, don't date them. Because if I'm going to make this case, this is I speaking, not the Lord, I believe Christians should be dating to find your lifelong Christian mate. That's the purpose of dating. Because statistics tell us that you start dating young, chances are you're going to cross boundaries that you never thought you would cross because of how many dating relationships you go further and further and further which, with every dating relationship that you have. And then you get to this side, and then you said, wait a second. Now, I can't be, can't be completely one with the one I really want to be one with because I've had all these past relationships. And then that bonding that God really wanted intended and intended for your marriage relationship 
needs a lot of healing and needs a lot of work for that bonding to take place. I would say, I want you guys to be like Canadian geese. And why, you might ask, Canadian geese? Did you not know that Canadian geese is mate for life? They find at two years of age, they find their, their partner, if you will. We don't see marriage ceremonies with geese, but they will find their partner and they will, for life, stay together. If one of them dies, occasionally they will remarry and uh, mate for life again. But some will just stay single. So they are very monogamous in their relationship, and I want you to be like Canadian geese. Now, maybe you're saying, though, that, you know, dating is like, well, shouldn't we give them experiences to know how to engage with the opposite sex? And it's kind of like, you know, parents, I've seen them. It's like the, the kiddos start dating, you know, sixth, seventh grade. Who does that anyways? But they do. And they're like, oh, aren't they cute? I said, yeah, okay, well, eighth grade, ninth grade, aren't they cute? Yeah, cute has hormones, by the way. And, and you don't know what cute wants to do with your daughter. So I would just say, guys, let's not be all cutesy with the, with the kiddos, and let's start creating some standards. Here's the interesting thing, though. Here's the good news. I did some research on boys, and maybe because this was a boy that necessarily had a, a mind at some point in time, they would say, guys, all they think about, all these teenage boys think about is sex, right? Well, sometimes they do, but actual research has shown that boys think about sleeping and eating the same amount as they sp- think about sex. It's true. Now, they do think about sleeping a lot and eating a lot, so maybe they do think about sex a lot. But, but I want to let you know that it is not always on boys' mind. And I want to say this is encouraging. Studies show that as we think we want our boys to act, our boys will become. So if you want them to get all cutesy and start dating and start, um, you know, hanging out and all this stuff. The boys will do that. But if you want to say, no, I've got high standards for you, young men. Research tells us that boys will move to the direction and to the calling that you place in their life. And so that's the encouraging thing that I have found in that research is, is there, are, there is hope for, uh, for our young men. Young men, stay pure until you find your lifelong mate and get married and do what you want to do after that. Girls, keep yourself pure. I so love our youth ministry. I heard this amazing story. I'm going to try not to get emotional because it happened with my daughter who's in youth ministry. But they wrote a letter to their future husband and released it in a, hot, in a helium balloon up to the sky, basically praying over their future husband and saying, these are the qualities. I'm going to wait for you. I'm going to be Whatever they wrote on, I didn't see it, but I heard about the story. And I was like, I love our youth ministry. I love our kids who are, who are questing after God's best for them. But I would say this on parents, a little tip for you. I would encourage you to start praying for your, fut- your kids' future spouses now. Because the reality is they're alive. We sometimes in my family have this little conversation around dinner table. I wonder what your future spouse is doing right now. Because chances are they're alive. They're making decisions. And they're probably having dinner too if they live in the same time zone as us. And 
The other thing I would like to say, and just for the young people here, is, is sex in its proper place is a God-given gift. And I know our young people um, who, it seems very pervasive in, in a culture that we live in with the movies and the easy access to junk on the internet and friends that are just hooking up and who are just treating sexual relations as a, as a hobby or a recreation. It can vary, or then the church who says, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, and you can kind of create this confusion, and I just want to be clear, saying, sex is good. But in the proper context of the way God designed it, which is in the boundaries, the only boundaries of marriage between a man and a woman. And all the young people said, hey, I heard an old person say amen. What was, it go- what was that all about? They agree. Okay. All right, we move from dating. Now we're going to be talking about sex. So, Galatians 5, verse 19, verse through 21. Galatians 5 says this. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the things like these. I warn you, Paul's saying, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I want to give some clarity to this. Does this mean I will not go to heaven if I've been involved with sexual immorality? I would say sexual immorality is a little different than adultery. Adultery is if you're having sex outside of marriage, if you're in a married place. Idolatry, sorry, immorality is sex without being married. Sexual relations, and I always love this car. I used to be a youth pastor, and this, this conversation was like, well, how far is too far? Can I go to first base, second? You always want to know the limits, right? Well, I would say, guard your heart above all things, and if you're dating to find your lifelong spouse, then you're going to, yes, guard your heart, but you should know the boundaries that, that are going to lead you into places you shouldn't go. So if kissing is going to lead you to a place you shouldn't go, don't be kissing, if being together alone in dark places causes you guys to like get a little tempted, don't do that. Right? Guard your heart. But this thing where it says you will not inherit the kingdom of God, I want to I want to encourage you that I make a case for this that the kingdom of God is here now. The kingdom of God can be is evident here in the world as followers of, of Christ. And the Spirit of God who dwells in us, the kingdom of God gets established here on earth. When we won't inherit the kingdom of God, meaning, by the way, next, our next series is going to be called The King and His Kingdom. We're going to be talking about all the, the parables that Jesus talked about, about the kingdom of God, and really understanding that, because I think there's a lot of misunderstanding about thinking the kingdom of God is heaven, which it is, but it's also here on earth. And we know how to live in this kingdom of God. So when he says you won't inherit the kingdom of God, in other words, you will not be living in the fullness that God has for you to live if you carry on in this way. By the way, in that list is fits of anger, jealousy, strife, envy. So basically, he's giving you a bunch of qualities, saying these are not qualities fitting for the kingdom, and you're not going to be able to live in this 
experiencing the kingdom if you have these qualities, one being sexual immorality. So many people want to know the why. The why. Why shouldn't I, why should I wait until I get married? Or why, well, I once was married and now I'm divorced, and why should I, I've already experienced it, why should I stay, you know, abstinent as a single person? Well, because God's intended this union together to make, to create oneness. It's a bond. It is to be enjoyed, yes. But he's, he saved it for a context of which it's not going, you're not going to feel the guilt and shame as, as it's done in that context. Right? In a married relationship, that activity that goes on, you don't wake up the next morning and feel all gross about it, right? You just don't, because it, God's designed it to be there. But if you go out on a night, whatever, whatever, and all of a sudden you wake up and you do some things, you wake up the next morning, you feel that guilt, you feel that shame, why did I do this? And it takes you further away from God. 1 Corinthians 6.18. It says, flee from sexual immorality. In other words, run fast the other direction. It says, every other sin a man commits is outside the body, that, but he who sins sexually, sexu- sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. Glorify God with your body. Hebrews 13, 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Let let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. So here again, we're realizing that that the boundary of, of sexual relations needs to be in a marriage between a man and a woman. And I have to clarify that today because of the prevalence of same-sex marriage. Marriage is between a man and a woman as God's original design. And I'm very well aware there might be people even here today that are saying, well, my situation is different. I want to let you know you're loved, you're welcomed, you're always going to be, have a place to be here, but I will always tell you what God's word says about that. It is not a judgmental thing, it is a God's word thing. <laughs> so if you're married, okay, I'm going to have to go super quick here on this last little part. If you're married, you're owned by two people. Did you know that? Jesus and your spouse. Did you know if you're married that your spouse owns you? I know, we don't like that term, right? It's like, we're not into slavery. We've we've abolished that. If you're single, you're owned by one person. You're owned by Jesus alone. Let me give you some evidence to that. This is in um, 1 Corinthians. I don't know the, the, the verse on that right now, but I'll, I'll find it in a moment. But let me just read it to you. Now, concerning the matters about which you wrote. In other words, the church in Corinth has some questions. If you want questions answered, read First and Second Corinthians. It's Paul answering a bunch of questions that people have about how do we live this life pleasing to God. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman, but because of temptation to sexual immorality... 
Each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. See, husbands like to read just there and stop at that period. Baby, tonight's the night. You and I. Well, I don't really feel like it. Well, don't hold back your conjugal rights for me. Your body's not your own. Come to me, woman. I'm sure none of you would ever do that. I was like, that is so corny. Only in my own brain. But if you, if you go there and you put a period, but then look, look at this. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer but then come together again that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control this is really the the whole concept here is prefer one another this is not guys I'm telling you what if you ever abuse your woman I will get and I'll smack you and then I'll hug you again do not ever do that your wives are to be cherished and loved never asking her to do things that are outside her comfort because you're one you would be actually violating yourself but you come together as one one agreement hey honey what are you thinking about tonight hey yeah tonight's good you know you come to a level of agreement but then I also encourage you this don't don't use it as a vice to fight against each other. Because Satan will come in. He'll use that and use it as a vice to split you guys apart. And this is the whole idea. He says, come together as often as there is needs there because that keeps the enemy away. The reason I says if you're married, you're owned by two people, Jesus and your spouse, because the, the word says this in 1 Corinthians 6.18, you are not your own, you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body. Jesus owns you. So does your spouse. Prefer one another. And then here we go, super quick on singleness, because this is what you've been waiting for, all you single, all you single ladies and men. All right. says this now this is 1 Corinthians 7 9 says now as a concession not a command I say this I wish that all were as myself Paul saying single Paul was single but each has his own gift from God in other words he's saying if you have temptations if you have struggles you have desires I'd rather you get married than go sinning but he says if you God's given you a gift that you don't have those desires it's good to remain single. To the unmarried and the widows, they said, it is good for them to remain single, as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion. And you can go on and read this as well, all the way down to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the very end of that. 
I don't have time to do that. So to the single, I would say this. I think sometimes we feel like the single, like I need somebody to complete me. You complete me. Come, 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 come. But in the reality is no, who completes us is Jesus Christ completes you. So as long as you're looking for the spouse to complete you, you'll never be completed because you're looking the wrong place. So as singles, look to Jesus to complete you. And if for summer he's given you the gift to say, I don't have these desires, remain single and be joyful because guess what? You have a single mind to pursue Jesus and his purposes and his kingdom. And to see his kingdom established here on earth. If you're married, you got, he says you're concerned with all the things of keeping your spouse happy and keeping a house going. He says, no. If you have to get married, it's fine. But if you can remain single, do it. It says, don't be distracted. Stay focused on fine. Oh, this is the next thing I want to close. I want to close on this. So we have all this talking on dating, sex, singleness. At the end of the day, though, is we have to realize, okay, God made us as sexual beings. He's made us to be in relationship. But at the end of the day, he's... Beyond that, he's called us for a purpose. And as long as we're so preoccupied with the junk of this world, and that's what sin does, it gets our minds so preoccupied on things that are not of God. It's a trick of Satan because as long as we're doing that, then we're ineffective for the very calling that we've been called while we are on earth. Why we are on earth is to see his kingdom, the kingdom of Jesus, get established here on earth. And so don't be distracted. Stay focused on finding the lost and taking care of the least. Finding the lost. We're going to be talking about that in the new series. Jesus talks about finding the lost. He talks about looking after the least. Jesus says that when we come to him, he will give us life and life in the full. Remember the woman at the well. She had five different guys in her life and Jesus she was looking for something she could never find it and then she found it in the one that wouldn't make her thirst any longer as some of you have these desires inside of you you're chasing after it and you're using internet you're using women you're using guys you're using whatever it is and he's saying stop chasing the thing that will never satisfy you and I'd also say to the single people I think sometimes that is also a lie that you have to be married to feel like you're part of society. And I would say, man, if God has given you the grace to be single, be single to pursue him and his kingdom. I'm going to close on this verse, Philippians 3. Write this one down, please. Because uh, I would love for you to post this on your mirror at home, in your car. Philippians 3, 12 through 15. Philippians 3, 12 through 15. I'll say it one more time for those of you writing it down. Philippians 3, 12 through 15. See, this is Paul, again, not understanding that he, in his humanity, he says this, not that I have already obtained this or I am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul's saying, I'm not perfect. I haven't arrived. 
says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. I should, or I would rather it say, made it on my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. If you consider yourself mature, think this way. If you're not, we pray that you think this way. Forget what's behind. All of our mistakes, all the garbage back there, but we press on to Christ Jesus, who is our prize, who has a call for us. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anyone of you thinks otherwise, God will reveal also to you. So conclusion, here's what we talked about. You date to find your lifelong Christian mate. I put Christian in there because you shouldn't be unequally yoked. Sex should only be in the confines of a heterosexual married relationship, period. Your body is not your own. Don't refuse your sex, your spouse sexually. Or use it against them. Realize that you're one, that you prefer one another. You treat everybody with great honor and respect. Lastly, singleness is a blessing. Don't buy into the lie that somehow you have to be married to feel complete. And then lastly, keep your focus on Jesus, who is the ultimate prize. Amen? Keep your focus on Jesus, who is the ultimate prize. Whew, I got through that one. All right. So I want you to continue. Young people, young people, young people. I know there is somebody here in this room. Make a commitment today, if you haven't already, to say, I'm going to stay. I'm going to keep myself for my future spouse, if that's what God has for me. But you're also going to ask the question, Lord, have you called me to be single? And that's okay too. For those of you who have gone through a divorce and are single right now, for those of you who lost a spouse and are single right now, those of you who had a breakup and are single right now, you also have an opportunity to ask the Lord, Lord Jesus, are you asking me to stay, stay single? And then realize that Jesus will give you everything that you need in a single life. Then husbands and wives treat each other with great great respect honoring one another preferring one another but keep your marriage bed pure and undefiled so as we close today singing this song some of you might want to respond to say God I'm just coming up to this altar just to be close to you and and ask some of those questions some of you need to say Lord help me to to get rid of some of the stuff that have been in my life that I don't really want any longer. Some of you just need to really understand the grace of God, which is, it's not by your strength that you're going to overcome. It's by realizing the strength of Jesus Christ who lives inside of you.
is the one who overcomes. Do we close in prayer yet? Yes, no? I'm just seeing if you're checking. I said, make sure you're listening to me. All right, no, are you sure we haven't closed in prayer? All right, we're gonna pray right now. Father, we thank you so much for this congregation who's been so gracious to listen to what your word has to say, Father, and they're willing to consider, and they're willing to ponder, they're willing to ask you, Lord Jesus, to plant these seeds in their heart. I'm wondering, Lord Jesus, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know you, that wants to follow you and start their journey with you today, and if if you are here today and you don't know Jesus and you want to start your journey with him today, would you just slip up your hand? I just want to thank you. Anybody else? Start the journey with Jesus today. Just want to be mindful. All right. Lord Jesus, I just, uh, I thank you for what you're doing in our congregation, helping us to become more in love with you, more passionate about you. God, that we're willing to tackle these, some of these hard topics, to, to, to ponder them in our hearts. Help us to continue to respond to you, Father. Our flesh is weak, but let us rely on your grace, Lord Jesus, to, to strengthen us. Holy Spirit, come fill us, that we do not rely on ourselves, but Holy Spirit, come fill us afresh, that we would rely more on your spirit, Lord Jesus, that our spirit people would be built up, that our fleshly people would, would die, Lord Jesus, that, that our fleshly desires that are not of you, Father, we no longer feed them. Love you, Lord Jesus. Everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 